Welcome to the Raptors Reasonablest Podcast, the Athletic Toronto's Toronto Raptors Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me today in a very intimate setting, Eric Green. Eric, how are you? Welcome. The chemistry is off the charts. We can only hope it yeah. stays that way. Yeah, um, hopefully good. things go quickly. Yeah, get me out it's of here. It's the only time I've said that in here. <laughs> uh, we're recording in my bedroom, if oh, you're wondering. No. This is my studio. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an office, too. I don't have the uh, I don't have the fancy living setup that you, Eric Kareen, now have, having I'm, moved on the weekend. I now have an office. I mean, it's not only my office, but it is a spare room to be used for office purposes uh, by one of two people, and I I found use in that. It's nice not to work either where you sleep or where you eat. It's like it's nice to have a third location. Yeah, I don't really eat anywhere. I do everything in my room. So yeah. I'm like a high school kid who yeah. won't come out for dinner and things. Just, I don't know, I got a desk in here. Shut up, Mom! Yeah, you're not my real dad, Jeff. <laughs> uh, anyway, how, the, how did the move go, though? Uh, the move, uh, I was stressed out, but we hired movers because it's apparently a thing you do once you turn 30. Yeah, that's a more adult um, way to approach it. Yeah, I mean, it went against all my instincts, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it really saved a lot of, of stress, and the office now is full of boxes. Like, the most everywhere else is re- relatively clear and going in the right, trending in the right direction. Uh, the office is still a bit of a mess, but I've cleared off space on my desk, and things, opuses, opi, are getting written. All right. It's I have a question. I've, I, I just clued in on this now. Uh, I think I might know what what could be at the heart of the Raptors' slow starts. Uh, you moved the day before game one, yes? Correct. I did that last year, too. Do you think our lack of I energy... I said it was a day after game one. Maybe it was a day after game That's one. what you told me. Maybe this is a ridiculous false equivalency anyway, where I was going to suggest that our lack of energy was bleeding over into the Raptors' well, locker we, room. we have to get to 30 minutes somehow, so yes. we need false... Uh, some equivalencies are going to be false. Um, okay, <laughs> Podcast so... name. Yeah. Some equivalencies are going to be false? Yeah. That's, that's good. Remember that, because I almost forgot ours last time, and yeah. I had to actually listen to the oh, podcast God, to find God out what, we, what we would call it. Yeah. Uh, no good. Um, okay, so the Toronto Raptors did not play um, well. I had, look, I had a great segue in my head about the fact that you live in Riverdale now um, and how there's a lot of drama around the Raptors, so much so that the only comparison point is this week's, this past week's episode of Riverdale. Which we cannot talk about. Because you haven't seen it. So you killed my leading segue, so we'll just go into it bore, the boring way. The Toronto Raptors sucked in game one. They got beat 97-83 by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it was not good, Eric. I agree. It was not good. Uh, and I think it's just funny that we have the, you know, it has to be two two days, two off days after every game one embarrassment, let's just let it marinate. So like we, I mean, not that anybody should feel bad for us, but we have to talk to them three times, uh, a practice, a practice and a shoot around about the adjustments capital A adjustments, <laughs> uh, and the fans have to marinate in that. Uh, luckily, there's a bit more going on in Toronto sports right now than there usually is at this time. 
but they were bad, and they were bad on a number of fronts. They were, I mean, it's tough to get past 36% shooting, and a, what was it, a 32-point second half? Yeah. I think that was. So obviously my main concerns would be on offense, and yet, you know, just remembering how many times Giannis Antetokounmpo got out on fast breaks caused by, as Dwayne Casey has said two days in a row, taking a negative first three steps off of uh, offensive uh, off of a field goal opportunity on the other end. I mean, that had to be point one going into the series. Don't let that guy do that. Easier said than done, but it uh, we saw it six or seven times uh, leading to quasi fast break or quasi fast break points. You know. Yeah. Here's the thing with that though. Is, he's a freak? Yes, he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, as Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer laid out on Monday morning, uh, there is good evidence that Giannis is actually an alien that's just been dropped here. Uh, and it's just like a big cover-up from the U.S. government and the Greek government. And obviously, um, them taking out Canada's best basketball team ever is priority one. Yes. Um, you know, there, okay, there are holes in that theory. But Giannis is Giannis, and, and it should absolutely be a focus, and it should be, you know, it should be something they talk about plenty and something they're dialed in on. But they gave up 97 points to the Bucks, and on a per-possession basis, that was only about five points per 100 possessions more than the Bucks normally score. Um, in terms of executing, the offense was a much bigger issue yeah. than the defense. And then on top of that, the defense in the half court was actually pretty good. Um, they, there was only a four-point disadvantage in points in the paint, and the Bucks, I think for two years in a row now, have led the league in points in the paint. So if you're playing almost to uh, even there, that that's a positive. You know, some people, I th- for whatever reason, offensive rebounds for an opponent stand out so much to people when they're reflecting on the game. Um, Milwaukee grabbed nine of a possible 48 offensive rebounds, and, and that is a number that's below Milwaukee's normal rate of offensive rebounding, which was already a weakness for them, yes. and it's below the rate that the, the Raptors normally give up. Um, so you look at what they did in the half court, and the half court defense was pretty solid. We yeah. talk a lot about the mismatches Giannis can create. Chris Middleton was getting switches onto guards and kind of pinging passes around. There are definitely ways it could get better, but big picture, their half court defense was fine, and as DeMar DeRozan pointed out today, um, you know, a good way to help out an opponent's transition offense is to miss a lot of shots. So negative steps are not, I think as the offense ticks up, the defense will get even better. And for that reason, they should be a little more focused on how they're going to get some offense against this team. Yeah, and they talked about it on Sunday, how the ball in the second half just didn't get to the weak side as much. And uh, it's sort of funny because DeMar DeRozan was so successful getting to the basket in the first half of that game that maybe not just him, but also Kyle Lowry got a, got a bit happy uh were they happy on the farm they were happy in the paint oh no uh, <laughs> never forget Kyle that. Lowry was definitely yeah, not happy in the paint yeah, we're gonna was. talk about some Kyle Lowry yeah. after so continue your um, point but you know I think maybe DeRozan was a bit slow to adjust to how they were collapsing on him and not only it's unfair to totally pin this on DeRozan as, as was pointed out there weren't necessarily rollers coming in when Thon McCurr was uh, was coming in and, and providing the help defense on DeRozan, then his man has to go looking for that dump-off pass, and I think maybe that's something that the Raptors were slow on. And they missed open threes. They did miss <laughs> a lot of open threes. They were 5 of 23. Even if you take Lowry and DeRozan away, they were 5 of 15. 
Um, in terms of contested shots, shots that are classified as tightly or very tightly contested by NBA.com, they were one of 15 outside of 10 feet, which, you know, even against a defense like the Bucks, even with, you know, the Raptors being as inconsistent as they are, you're going to shoot one of 15 on any type of shot short of like, ha- even on half court heaves, you might shoot better than one of 15 over the course of a series. Um, the thing we talk about in our Raptors reasonable set that went up on the Athletic Toronto on Monday is that, you know, you say these things, um, time sort of runs out in a playoff series. And when you put yourself in a 1-0 hole, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to, you have to regress real, real quick yeah. um, to those means. But yeah, there, there are a number of things, number of things the Raptors could do better offensively and, you know, make some of those shots, read the, the opportunity to dive or cut a little better. There was really yeah. only one smart cut the Raptors had the entire game, and it was P.J. Tucker coming in off the weak side in exactly the situation you were talking about where the trap came, the Raptors were looking to get through it, and then Tucker's all of a sudden underneath the basket because the help's shaded over to the yeah. strong side. Um, this is this is great. Talking about a visual thing yeah. in detail on audio medium. But the, the, the point is the Raptors weren't... They didn't see what was going on or didn't react to what was going on in real time. That's right. a tough thing to do. Right. And uh, even when they did, you know, you get a pass to Jonas Valanciunas in that four-on-three situation. Yeah. He sees an open guy in the corner, but because he's so mechanical, yeah. um, there is a very long arm in the way yeah. there. Although I will say, and this is another thing I pointed out in the written copy, is that, um, you know, they, they showed some ability to recognize these things as the game went along. Yeah. And if there's a criticism of the Bucks defense... Um, and I think it was Ben Falk who, leading up to the series, wrote about this. Um, it's that you can figure it out. And this aggression and the way they trap things is its really difficult to deal with. But it's also predictable. It's not easy to do anything about it. But as you see it more, there's logic to, you know, okay, maybe you'll get better at, um, you know, poking the holes in it and seeing the creases and doing things like damage, doing damage on the weak side or, or on the offensive glass. And you know what might help doing that? Getting some of your uh, savvier front court players on the uh, on the floor a bit more. Yeah, so let's talk about the rotation quickly. We'll ignore the garbage time. Um, Dwayne Casey mostly kept it to eight men. Patrick Patterson played the fewest of those. I mean, Norman Powell saw a couple minutes at the start of the fourth quarter, but let's leave him out because that was kind of yeah, a... It, it certainly play. looked like Powell was not a part of the rotation. Uh, yeah. until, it was a desperation yes, play. Uh, which we kind of expected. Yeah. So, eight guys. Patrick Patterson played only 16 minutes. Uh, Demari Carroll played 24. P.J. Tucker played 29. Uh, Tucker getting more than Carroll. Totally justified, especially if Tucker's not going to flip into the starting lineup. But Patrick Patterson has to play more than 16 minutes. Yeah, I'd like to see him take, you know, a few minutes away from Carroll and a few minutes away from Joseph. And and I get that uh, Dwayne Casey puts a premium on not tiring out Lowry... Uh, and having that extra initiator on the floor, which is why Powell came into the game. They thought they needed somebody on the weak side who could create uh, maybe a bit more reliably than one of their front court players. But I think we've seen, you know, one of the criticisms of Patrick Patterson is he's too reticent to take that three-point hmm. shot, and he's and he attacks closeouts aggressively. So, and he's not afraid to do that, which I think could be of use in this series. It was on the dump-off to Jonas Valanciunas for an and-one early in the 
third quarter, second quarter. It would have been the second, second quarter, quarter. Yeah, yeah, when they, they were playing, playing with Valanciunas yeah. and the Lowry. Uh, and, and that was another bizarre thing. Them not going back to that lineup that started the second quarter. Yeah, the because they started the second quarter very well. Yeah. Um, my guess is that Casey had made the decision that Tucker was going to close the game if it was close, yeah. and therefore wanted Damari Carroll in that spot instead of PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to get to that spot. Yeah. This is the whole using your closer before the ninth inning thing. Yeah. You can save them, but if. If you're not going to be yeah. in, a, in a situation to use him. Patterson, through all his struggles, continued to be a net positive. Yes. Uh, a massive net, or, I mean, by the standard of the Raptors front court, a massive net positive in the second half of the season. Yeah. He helps his team achieve positive results. He should be playing more. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, the matchup will, and what's going on will sort of dictate who that's, at the expense of right now, I would say it should be at the expense of Damari Carroll, but that could end a bit, a few of Joseph's minutes. I was going to say, so Joseph and um, Lowry played 14 minutes together, which is about standard. Yeah. They were minus three, which maybe, I mean, it, it's tough because they went on that good run in the second quarter together, uh, but they were also a part of the disaster start of the fourth. Um, and a big part of that was that Milwaukee countered that lineup by having Middleton and Antetokounmpo on the floor together, yeah. um, which means one of Lowry or Joseph is you know very susceptible to switches so um i think i think you'll see a little less of that i think carol probably play a little less i still think the rotation is going to be a tight eight yeah i um, don't think they're changing that unless they get down huge early yeah. in I game mean, two there are reasons to use powell but you also you know the raptors are a better team than the bucks talent wise so the idea that you go to lesser your yes your lesser players to make up some sort of Gain. You're, you're basically trading talent for energy at that point. Not to say Powell's not talented. Talent is maybe not the right word, but your best eight are better than the Bucks' best eight. Yeah, I so, think he's playing the right guys. I just might change the distribution a little bit. Yeah. Um, one guy, well, one way Patrick Patterson might see a ton of minutes in game two is if Serge Ibaka can't play. So in the early in the third quarter, Serge Ibaka fired for three, uh, came down, his left ankle landed on the foot of Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who kind of got in his landing space and the NBA according to Dwayne Casey admitted that it was a foul which suggests that um the Raptors filed a complaint or at least like sent video to yeah. the NBA like hey what's up um we'll talk about how Giannis is a dirty alien and how everyone should hate the NBA's most enjoyable player <laughs> in a second but Abaka uh what, he sat out practice on Monday he said uh, had there been a game that day it would have been tough to play but he's optimistic he'll play Tuesday in game two uh, what should the concern level be here, Eric? Moderate. Okay. What about Moderate. the concern level of Giannis becoming dark Giannis like he was two years ago in the playoffs <laughs> when he absolutely clobbered Mike Dunleavy? Well, they were down at that point. So uh, I, I don't think... I think Giannis has large feet. And I think he was trying to close out on a three-point shooter. Uh, and it was a bit of, like, not to blame Ibaka for this, but, like, it was late in the possession... And he didn't necessarily go straight up. It was wow. a, it was a bit of a weird victim shaming. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit of it was a bit of a weird three pointer by Ibaka's standards. Is all I'm sure. saying. Um, I will say this: 
Giannis, who is becoming Dark Giannis, <laughs> uh, recognized that Abaka was the Raptors' best player in this game yeah. and intentionally took him out. And, you know, had it not been for eight, the 19,000 people around watching, he probably would have gone full Kurt Angle, just snapped him in an ankle lock <laughs> right there to make sure it was broken. Um, you know, he may have pilmanized him, put, put his put his ankle in a folding chair, jumped off the net. It's far too many wrestling references. It's for that life. one guy. You know, I, this is something I've done in other areas before. When someone tells me not to talk about wrestling, I really dig in. Yeah. It would be, it's like today how we're not actually talking about Riverdale immediately after Mike Ganter requested us to talk about Riverdale. <laughs> I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> Just period. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't think it... I think that's a play that happens a lot in the NBA, and it sucks, and shooters keep on getting those calls, though, in a lot of situations. It's sort yeah. of weird that they didn't get the call in that situation. Yeah. Because, um, um, like, you felt like the Indiana game, for example... Uh, that they lost near the end of the season. Jeff T got two of those calls when he was sort yeah. of like bumped on the hip by Corey Joseph because he took an unnatural three-pointer. So if, if a guy's going to take away his landing spot, that should be a foul. And, yeah. and uh, it's different than calling it dirty. It's just like three-point shooting is really good in this league and you and have to try to close out on it. League-wide, too, yeah. um, the number of fouls on three-point shots this year is at an all-time high and it's not particularly close. So yeah. um, whether that's guys getting better at the hardenish bait into the three-point shots or whether the league actually is cracking down on this kind of thing, uh, the numbers bear out that guys are getting fouled on threes a lot more. Yeah. So um, whatever you think of that. Um, if Ibaka can't go... Patterson would start. Do you think the Raptors like what are what are they going to do with the center position? Is it time for Bebe, the the team's best passer out of those four on three trap release valve situations? You think Bebe's coming out before Pirtle is off the bench? I don't. I think Bebe <laughs> is probably their best option as a ninth man in this series. But yeah, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't I think, think it's going to happen either. I think they might use Pirtle a bit, and they might use some small lineups a bit. Uh, I think they're more likely to use Lucas Nogueira's head to mop the floor <laughs> than play him in this series in meaningful minutes. He is? that You're not wrong that his passing would be a uh, a huge benefit there, and the Bucks aren't this like pick-and-roll dynamo team, no. uh, and that's where Bebe can be exploited, right? Like yeah. it's. Uh, He's also He's, fourth in the NBA yeah. in screen assists per minute on the year. Yeah. So if you're looking at... Yeah, but you know, now that they're going to call every illegal yes. screen that there is. Oh, yeah. Let's segue. Yes. Um, so Matthew Delvadova, the human bed bug, is uh, <laughs> coming under some fire. Not even under fire. Dwayne Casey made offhand mention of the Bucks making some illegal screens. And it has now ballooned into Matthew Delvadova conceding that everyone sets illegal screens. DeMar DeRozan declining to comment on Delvadova's screens because he didn't want to get fined. Yeah. Um, this is now a storyline where there probably shouldn't have been one. Uh, the issue, the real issue for the Raptors is that they can't figure out Giannis Delvadova pick and rolls or the Middleton Delvadova two-man action off-ball in the corner offense. So Delvadova, without doing anything on offense, really, uh, zero assists in 32 minutes in the opener is suddenly this big problem for them. And because he's Matthew Delvadova, it's easy to just be like, yeah, well, he's cheating. Yeah, I'd suggest those aren't, like, strategic... They shouldn't be strategic nightmares for the Raptors to uh, to navigate. Um, but, you know, 
as a few people on Twitter were saying, that's why you signed Matthew Delvadova, just to get in people's heads. And, and this is why you April look at Matthew Delvadova's numbers for the year, and it's like, oh, he's not he's, very good. Why is he playing bad. so he's much? He's bad at NBA basketball. Why is he playing so much for the NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers? Why is he playing so much for this young upstart Bucks team? Uh, it's because he's a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about this on this podcast about the things that go unnoticed that Patrick Patterson does. Matthew Delvadova is kind of like that, but, like, much less likable. Not that Patrick Patterson is this, like, giant babyface figure, but Matthew Delvadova, as Alex Wong once called him, is a human bedbug. As I, I, I grew up on, like, the the Blue Jays uh, World Series videos and uh, the Maple Leafs uh, videos about their return to the Final Four after uh, years in the wilderness, which we can now see. That, that video itself. is coming out late in 2017, yeah, right? Uh, I'm what was it called? <laughs> the Passion The Passion Returns is what it was called. Oh, boy. Um, Sounds like a bad Mel Gibson sequel. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but in the first two games against Detroit in the first round of that series, Dino Cicerelli had been uh, wings enforcer slash you know, 600, 600 goal scorer, yes. I think, um, had just been in Felix Potvin's grill and the, the Leafs were getting so uh, upset about it and they got killed in the first two games. And then on the video, um, I don't remember if it's a sports reporter or Pat Burns, the Leafs head coach, uh, but into game three they said, you know what we do? We leave him alone. We just don't let it bother him. <laughs> don't let it bother us. So maybe they should just... Let Delhi set his screens, you know, play a strategic defense, as in, you know, ignoring the th- the smaller threat and dub- and really focusing on the bigger threat. That well, yeah, because if Matthew Delvadova gets the ball, it's not a problem. Yeah, just leave it alone. Yeah, There's a reason <laughs> their point guard has his most valuable setting screens rather than being the ball handler in the big and roll. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Um, also, maybe look in the mirror and realize you employ Serge Ibaka and P.J. Tucker. Who have never once set an illegal screen. No, they haven't clutched an arm. <laughs> there is straight up a photo in the USA Today. I think it was USA Today archives. I came across a photo where one of the Raptors, like, full-on is grabbing up the... I think it's DeRozan now that I think of it. He has a handful of a Bucks shorts as he's trying to drive by. Like, I'm pretty sure that's an offensive foul if you and pull also, a dude's shorts up. you remember the rebound last year at the end of Game 7 where DeMar basically held uh, Jan Mahimi down? Yeah. Uh, Look, I don't <laughs> I don't think these are problems. I think these are smart things to do yeah. in so much as you can get away with it. Um, it's like Andrew, I think it was Bogut, he does the clutch on the rebounds. Yeah. That goes really unnoticed. And, like, yeah. um, you know, like I think Zaza's really good at it, too, where, like, your team... Even even though these guys aren't elite rebounders themselves, the team rebounds really well with them on the court because like they very subtly yeah. hold guys yeah. down. Anyway, it's this is the playoffs. People campaign through the media in the playoffs. It's just uh, or, or players and coaches yeah. campaign through the media, and it's surprising it happened so early. And speaking of things that are surprising to have happened so early, segue exclamation mark. Are you the host? Well, of maybe this if you can co- you, after you butchered that first segue, I was worried I about you. I didn't butcher it. You took it away from me by having not been caught up <laughs> on Riverdale. But you knew I wasn't, and but, you walked into it anyway. Yeah, I just really want this to be Riverdale reasonable this full time. Well, I'll be on the it's road what the next people week, demand. and I'll be alone. So. Uh, I'll have plenty of time to... I won't uh, be on the road and I'll be alone. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, anyway, I guess we didn't expect Kyle Lowry to uh, be so s- upset. Uh, yeah, so Kyle Lowry shot 2 of 11, Sunday? 0 of 6 on threes, yeah. 4 points, 6 uh, assists, uh, game worst minus 22. So this is the big thing that's a concern for, for me, I think, is Lowry can shoot poorly and be a big plus for this team, but he has to be a plus playmaker and a plus defender. You saw last year in the playoffs, especially through the first two rounds, how Lowry as a cold shooter can still be a very effective player. We saw in 2014-15 how the opposite can also be true. Um, Lowry is now... The worst active shooter among any NBA player with at least 500 postseason field goal attempts. And he is shooting 26.6% over six game ones as a Raptor. Uh, this is not good. Yeah. This is not a... Like, we, we joke about playoff JV heading into the playoffs. We should have been on the lookout for playoff Kyle Lowry. Yeah, and I would suggest the solution isn't uh, to force more shots <laughs> yeah so kyle lowry in a pretty testy media session on sunday it didn't, it didn't even seem testy until it got testy yeah he like, kind of unprompted it was yeah. like I, i'm gonna have to force more shots and then kind of like subtweeted what i guess his teammates were telling him in support i so he said that he thought he was making the right passes but uh his teammates tell me he has to be more aggressive so i guess i'm gonna have to force shots yeah that seemed to me like his teammates were maybe telling him to like keep shooting, man. If you're yeah. in a slump, shoot through it. And that's that's what Dwayne Casey, you know, empty the clip and all that. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lowry needed to... Lowry wears his heart on his sleeve. I don't think he needed to be this combative, unprovoked about his game one struggles. Yeah, and I have a hard time getting too worked up about this stuff. But it just seemed, uh, as we wrote about, like so unnecessary. Like... You're, this is what you're coming out with after Do yourself a game favor. one. Like, like he owned it after after game one. Um, just say, I believe in myself. I believe in my teammates. I'm going to continue to make the right play, and hopefully I can have an impact in other ways if my shot isn't following. But yeah. I, I plan on it following. Like, it, it's not... I don't want to ever discourage athletes from being honest and open, but this just seemed... Like, what he was saying seemed wrong. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't, not to say somebody's feelings can be wrong, but, like... But, yeah, watching like, the game back, yeah. I thought what everyone else was saying seemed fairly accurate. Like, Lowry passed up an open layup at the rim because the threat of length yeah. was in his head after he had been blocked a couple yeah. of times. And, like, he shot over 6 on threes, and those are going to drop a little bit more. Um, but, like, on a couple of them, he, like, pump-faked and hesitated... Um, you know, he says he, he got ran off or whatever, which maybe is true, and, and they weren't the cleanest of looks, but, like, he, he took five shots inside the three-point arc. Yeah. He took one free-throw attempt. Yeah. That's you're, not the Kyle Lowry this team needs Kyle, You're Kyle freaking Lowry. Like, yeah. just act like it. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, that's not a hot take. It's just, like, the guy's really, really good. He's a really admirable player. Uh, I think he's a easy player to root for. And when he most of the time, and when he's not saying stuff like no, this. no, no, I mean on the, specifically on the floor, yeah. Um, and when he's on your team, like you know the the poking the ball away from uh you know centers after a missed shot or the drawing a charge, like or the huge he, offensive rebound yeah. he had against Giannis yeah. in this over game. Giannis scaling Giannis, like it that was, was his only good play yeah, of the day, yeah, though, which yeah. sucked. Um, and just like. Extend that off the court. It's not that hard. The whole world isn't out to get you. Yeah. 
and anyway, we we wrote about this a bit, yeah. uh, but it's just and like look, Kyle, this is sort of the mode he can go into when things go poorly, and he didn't do it last year. Uh, he mostly no, just he was great last. Year. He just I mostly just it. hated himself, which we all related to. Yeah. Um, There's also this running thing where Lowry is usually a much better quote when he's struggling. Yeah. yeah. And he tells you he talks in cliches when things are going well. Yeah. Um, also, he needs to realize that the Leafs are still in the playoffs, so the guys who are going to write you out of town for one game, one poor performance, are not on the Raptors beat right now. No comment. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, people people try to write him out of town. I mean, my mentions have been a bit of a mess with the Lowry hate, and it's like, yeah, it's six game ones, but it's also like four years where he's been a top 15 player in the NBA now, and even with a 45-game playoff sample... I'm still leaning towards trusting that the four years of Lowry is going to outweigh the the small handful of bad playoff games. Do you, so what What are your expectations for Lowry in game two? He said this stuff. Do you, you don't expect him to just come out gunning. I don't think you're going to see him take like 28 shots all of a sudden. I mean, that's what DeMar's for. <laughs> hey, DeMar took 21. I, <laughs> on 15 free throws, buddy. Yeah. Um, By the way, that's this is the thing about the Bucks' defense is that it's scary and it's long and stuff. They foul a lot. And the yeah. Raptors' biggest strength is getting to the free throw line. Um, even with Lowry only taking one free throw, the Raptors got 33, an yeah. 18 free throw attempt advantage. So you want to look at a way to you know, yeah. deal with this length? Get into it. And I think if you want to talk about Kyle Lowry being aggressive, yeah. it's not necessarily launching more jump shots. It's getting into the paint and drawing contact. It's and sometimes you don't field goal Sometimes you, you don't get that call. Yeah. And it's annoying. And then, like, DeRozan didn't get it a few times, and there were four and five going back, and yeah. God forbid. But um, I think that's something to be exploited, as is the offensive glass, which they did not do. Okay, I mean, we don't have time me, to like, I know, we don't have time. I want, I want to ask you really quickly, though. The One of the Bucks' biggest weaknesses on defense is the defensive glass. The right. Raptors historically don't want guys to crash the offensive glass. There was one point last year where they were number one in crash rate, and I asked Dwayne Casey about it, and I thought he was going to pop a vein yeah. um, because that's right. not what they want. But this is a Raptors' strength and a Bucks', a Bucks weakness. Um, would you be pushing the offensive glass a little more? Uh, depends if I trust my players. Okay, well, <laughs> if, um... I trust Lowry generally to make the right decision with this. I trust Yo Jonas should have the green light whenever he I was wants. Say, Jonas is always um, going to have the green yeah. light. Um, but as for, like, I don't want DeMar doing it. Uh, I don't want... I definitely don't want Carroll doing, doing it. He can't... Yeah. So, PJ Tucker, I think, has a little bit of yeah. leeway. He's a very good offensive rebounder and, and out Pat, of the corner. if he ever plays, has a bit of leeway. Yeah. Um, DeLon, and, if he got in there. Oh, Yak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, maybe... But then you see how worried they are about getting, you know, multiple bodies yeah. in front of uh, Giannis. And it's true. Like, it's, Giannis, like the, as you said, their half-court... I mean, ideal uh, ideal situation number one, they hit more shots, yes. they can't get on transition. Ideal situation number two, they get back in transition, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So um, and this you is... don't want to give them these easy baskets, which is how Milwaukee got to the relatively low total that was enough for them to win this game because the Raptors didn't hit shots. Yeah. And so it, I don't know how far I'd go. Maybe I'd go a tiny bit further, but it'd be incremental. The thing is, the, the Raptors' offense, by nature of its design with guys in the corners fairly often, um, you know, they have, when plays finish, they have three, some, sometimes four guys below the free throw line anyway. So they're already in kind of a bad position to get back. Yeah. Um, so I understand Casey's hesitation. 
Jonas has got to do more than a zero on the offensive yeah. glass. No, and I, I didn't think Jonas was. I, I actually didn't think Jonas was particularly bad in this game. I thought he was. Um, yeah, he was fine. He was. Yeah, but he was, Monroe played him. He yeah. Monroe got a few offensive rebounds where he just outmaneuvered him. Can't happen. I mean, no, it can't. Um, yeah. I I didn't think he was that bad though. Um. I don't think it was, again, this isn't like a pick and roll team that's going to exploit you in that way. So, like, the way in which he's bad is not the way that's going to be like, oh, we can't play this guy. He's suddenly unplayable. By the way, uh, a couple people have asked, so I'll just answer really quickly here. The reason the Raptors haven't tried to post Jonas Valanciunas up against Thon Maker is because, and they haven't said this, but I guarantee this is the answer, they are just goddamn terrified of Milwaukee hard-doubling Jonas. And Milwaukee hard-doubles almost everyone on post-ups. Well, Casey sort of said that yesterday. He said, a double will come. Yeah. Like, something like that. And, uh... And Did they, they see Jonas try to make that four-on-three pass yesterday? Yes. Like, different situation, but he's not the most... And he doesn't Thon, make the quickest reads. Yeah, so the Bucks front the post, which means Thon Maker is trying to get in Jonas's space, lean above him, and make that pass really difficult. Um, they had one turnover where they tried to lob the, the post-entry pass over Thon Maker, and he stole it. Uh, and then, even if Jonas gets position on Thon... Uh, which the Raptors ran this, they ran one of their pet plays to get Jonas post position. And then like the Bucks just before the ball even got to Jonas, the weak corner guy had slid over to yeah. show double. I think the, I think the Raptors call it a baseline go. I don't know what the Bucks call it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to double that and it's, it's not going to be good. Yeah. I, there aren't many positive situations yeah. that come out of that unless Jonas faces up, breaks out the triple pump fake and, uh, Scores over Greg Monroe? He did hit Greg Monroe with a double pump fake. No, right? it was a triple pump fake. It was a triple it was pump one, fake? It was one standing, two standing, takes a dribble, another pump oh, fake, man. and then score. Epic. Uh, so it was, I mean, tattoo that on my face. Okay. Okay, there you go. We'll tattoo a Jonas Valdez triple pump fake against Greg Monroe <laughs> we'll just on be, your face. It will be like a comic, like when you like draw pictures on like a flip pad. And you'll just see it happening, so it'll just be like four or five different. Uh, see, instead of your head, I feel like you get this like on your arm or something. Yeah. So when you flex your arm, Jonas <laughs> the Jonas figure pump fakes and Greg Monroe <laughs> leans. Um, yeah. There's got to be a live action tattoo artist by now, right? Uh, Are you? You can get a gift tattooed <laughs> on you. Yeah. Um, okay, we need to stop pump faking the ending of this podcast yeah. and just end it. Um, Let's hope going, game two goes better. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any parting shots? Uh, my parting shots are limited okay. today. I think the Raptors will make more open threes. I think Kyle Lowry uh, should be a more impactful player, even if his shots continue to not go down. And um, there are still more reasons to trust this team than not to. And we could have said that a few years ago against Washington, but we also could have said that last year. And... One of those two situations is going to play out approximately. I agree with you. I'm a little <laughs> worried about Chris Middleton. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, all the talk about Giannis for three days. Uh, Chris Middleton only shot 415 and was still maybe Milwaukee's best player. Yeah. So that's well, worrisome. But hey, this can... is why the playoffs are tough. Hard things are hard, as yeah. we heard all through the playoffs last year. Yeah, we can talk about that in the season wrap-up pod next week. Okay, there, there you have it. Thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. We will uh, talk to you next week. It's too late to be a reasonable man.